Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. another episode of purple insider matthew collar here along with brian murphy for another monday morning murph and uh i've got a question right off the bat brian just right off the beginning here's the question what do you think stefan diggs was thinking when he sat down to watch sports center after his victory and so he's sipping on a little diet dr pepper sitting around the christmas tree as you are as we record this thinking about his own highlight of catching a touchdown and then saying, shut the bleep up to the Patriots fans. And he rests into his favorite easy chair and there his predecessor, Justin Jefferson is on the TV and Oh, what what's he saying? Oh, he's saying that, wait, the play calling is a problem. The team's energy and attitude is a problem in a key game with the playoffs on the line. You think he just picks up his diet. Dr. Pepper takes a little sip and says, I remember those days. I mean, what do you think? I mean, yeah. Stefan Diggs has to be aware of what happened yesterday with Justin Jefferson and his former team, right? Like I yeah. just would love to be sitting next to him and say, what do you think of that old friend? Yeah. If there's any Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross fans out there, he just sits there and takes a sip, puts it down goes, yeah, I used to be a receiver in, in Minnesota. It's a tough racket. Uh, yeah. I think it sounded pretty familiar. Quite surprised. Um, maybe I'm not surprised. I think it was overdue that somebody was going to have to say something definitive on the rudderlessness of this offense. Um, that it was the superstar wide receiver who feels suddenly empowered and uh, is deservedly annoyed. Um, and it was interesting. He didn't rant. He didn't rave. He didn't pound the podium. It was very subtle. Um, but the missiles were clearly shot right over the bow. Uh, first Clint, well, he put the kick me sign on Clint Kubiak and then sent the, the message, I think, directly to uh, the quarterback and, uh, well, ostensibly the front office and, and everybody above that. I'm likely going to be here a lot longer than you guys. I think I can feel that in my bones right now that that I'm when when all this blows up in a couple of weeks, which it seems destined that it will, uh, I'm going to be standing around looking at the rubble. And I'm going to be I'm going to be just fine. So when are we going to get this figured out? Hey, you want to <laughs> you want to make a Glenn Gary Glenn Ross uh, mention without about, without uh, profanity, which is hard. It is hard. But how about um, Spielman just likes talking to free agents? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, yesterday it was reminiscent to me, and and Sam brought this up on the post game of when they completely no-showed against the Indianapolis Colts. And and that was worse than this in terms of an overall showing, but it was the same sort of thing is 
hey, there's this big game. You could stay in the playoffs. But everyone is kind of bailed on this team anyway. Like no one really believes in this team. The fans show up, but they aren't like super juiced up. Um, which is, you know, another conversation that we started to have last night. But, you know, the fans are like, okay, I guess we're here. I guess there's a playoff on the line, but this isn't super exciting. And then it just goes completely sideways. And yesterday, the score was just not like similar to what you were watching. Like the Rams could have been up 21-0 in an eye blink if their quarterback hadn't been a complete mess. And they really should have been. Like the Vikings were playing yesterday like they should have been blown out. And then after the game, when you have Justin Jefferson make the comments that he did, I mean, you you ha- you can't walk away saying like anything is o- okay here. Uh, oh, we're still in the playoff race. Look at this percentage and playoff machine and whatever else to get in. Like not when that happens. Uh, now, if this team was really what it was purported to be, a team of fighters that never gave up all the way to the end, then the star player is not coming out after the game and saying, uh, guys, why did we no show? Why do we have no energy? Why do we have no leadership on this team? And uh, when you're looking at now almost the totality of the season and, and the number of failures that went into this, I'm, how could anyone walk up to Justin Jefferson and be like, oh, dude, it's good. Yeah, this is fine. You're in a good spot. Or if, if he picks up the phone and calls Stefan Diggs, says, Hey, Diggsy, what do I do? Or he talks to Odell Beckham after the game. What do I do? I'm the best player on the field and I'm putting up all these numbers and we still can't win. I mean, how would you tell him, oh man, it's cool. Just, just wait it out. You know, be, be, be cool. Be chill. Don't demand changes or anything. I mean, right. Like how, I I mean, Justin Jefferson has the same feeling, I think, as the fan base where he knows his excellence and I think that it's like yesterday was his, I'm going to demand more of this team now. So everyone should sort of get used to that. And I, I think it was really helpful because it sort of pulls back the curtain and says, yeah, the best player, the guy who matters the most to your franchise going forward has had enough of this too. Yeah. And I think it's, it's kind of indicative of where we're at in maybe 2021 or certainly with the NFL in the way it's covered in the way it is, um, you know, in the way that players and coaches and executives interact publicly, that when you hear a kernel of truth and honesty and, you know, unsanitized post-game comments, they just sound so unfamiliar. I mean, any one of these guys, certainly, you know, if, a Harrison Smith, a Kirk Cousins, a Michael Pierce, a Patrick Peterson, even Zimmer, you know, has really sanded. I think Zimmer, you know, you just, you look at his face uh, either on the broadcast, on the sideline, or just at the postgame podium. I mean, he he's resigned. Not he's resigning. He is resigned, I think, to the fact that he has beaten everything out of this horse that he can, both literally and figuratively. But the fact that you actually hear somebody express what we've all been saying for weeks now and it doesn't behoove a star player or quarterback to come out in week seven and say yeah we're we suck we're in over our heads I don't think this is going to work out because obviously that's like throwing a live grenade out in the street but the fact that here we are 15 games in 
and and Justin Jefferson very casually expresses his disappointment a in his team's energy level b in its execution c in its red zone play calling everybody's like wow look at that i mean is, is that really true is that what is that what is he saying what, he, what he's just saying what everybody knows and the fact that it 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 comes across as a revelation is is again i think indicative of of what we're used to hearing you know the spoon-fed cliches and the sanitized expressions of hope, and and they're still in it, and they're fighting. And but like you said, at this point, you know, I think I mentioned this before. I mean, they're they're just guys in the desert trying to sell you a bucket of sand. It just is not playing anymore. And we've got two weeks to go. I mean, I buried them. I gave them. You know, I I said I'm done. They're frauds after the Lions' loss. I said they're going to lurch here for the next four weeks, and that's. That's what we're that's what they're doing. They're keeping you engaged because there's a possibility. Um, they're close, they're this, they're that, they're a player two away, you know, the usual delights. Uh, but really, this team, you know, it, it, it exposed itself losing to Detroit. And it also, I don't know where the offense vanished somewhere in the third quarter against Pittsburgh, and it has not been found, and it may be gone forever. I don't know what happened, how it happened. But this team has not been the same. They seem to have found a magic bullet for a two and a half game span, three game span. And now I, I, I you know, something happened in the second half Thursday night, December 9th against Pittsburgh. And uh, th- th- that offense and that philosophy has been lost. See, I, I think that it actually might have been before that, um, that they were coming off of the game against Green Bay where the offense was really cooking. And then they lost to Detroit, right? And then they lost to San Francisco. Oh, right. And I'm, that my timeline is messed up. Yeah. And that's where it seemed to disappear. Now against Pittsburgh, right. They dominated in the first half, but it was pretty much just Delvin cook running over people. Yeah. And, and uh, that is, you know, not something that's going to happen on a daily basis where or weekly basis where somebody runs for like 200 yards in the first half or, or whatever it was for Delvin cook. Um, but, the passing game has just not really been the same. Um, so they go to San Francisco cousin seems off. Then the first half of Detroit, they put up six points. And after that, even against Pittsburgh, he has a tough game. They find a way to hang on to that one and win, but there's a couple of interceptions in the second half. And it seemed like, uh, where did it go? Which has really been the story of the season is where did the offense go for long periods of time? It just seems to disappear, but Uh, The San Francisco loss and the Rams loss, I think, exposed that you really can't play with the big boys, the team that you have, even when they don't play well. San Francisco did not play particularly well in that game. They missed some opportunities. San Francisco is not a great team, but you still were not as good as them. You got beaten. Yes, the final score was a one-score difference, but not all of those are the same as we saw yesterday. Oh, you only lost 23 to 30 right but you're down two scores in the second half they're outplaying you pretty much in every area except for when their quarterback throws it to the other team I and mean, that's what it looked like like that game could have easily been you know 30 to 14 or 30 to 10 or something the way that the vikings played they literally got a touchdown when stafford threw them the ball and then they ran two yards into the end zone like if if everything else um was and then got of- three points combined for the other two <laughs> right. uh, interceptions Right. If everything else had sort of been equal uh, and take those things out of it, then you're talking about um, in terms of how the two teams played a much different story. So anyway, 
Uh, where did it go is always the question though, right? And, and that's what I was thinking about in terms of, okay, what is Diggs thinking watching this? But what is the Wilfs thinking? Are What are the Wilfs thinking watching this? And I think that's everyone's question. And, and I wish that we had an answer. I remember one time in 2016, you tried to get Ziggy as he walked through the locker room to come over and provide a comment for us. But I mean, if you're, I don't know if they were in the booth yesterday uh, or in their suite or if they were at home in New York watching or what the deal was with them uh, yesterday. People were asking me, are they there? Like, I, I don't know. What do you want me to sneak past their security and look in the suite to find out? I don't know. I didn't see them. Uh, yesterday but- would not have been the day to try to play <laughs> games of security with Stan Kroenke in the house, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I hope people remember your incident <laughs> with the restroom and Stan Kroenke. But uh, the, the, the point is just that wherever they were watching, I think it would have had more impact if they were there to see how quiet the building was. But they have to be watching the postgame press conferences. They have to be watching how this game is playing out. They have to be looking at this playoff race and how easy everything has been made for them to make the playoffs. And yet, if you lose to Green Bay, you are, for all intents and purposes, completely eliminated. So I guess I wonder what you think that they thought watching yesterday. Wow, this is dangerous, putting me in the minds of other people. Um, <laughs> I, I'd i be curious, too. I, you know, I've, I've been watching all the broadcasts. They are rarely shown in their suite. So I don't know if that is a request on their part because, you know, Bob Kraft and Jerry Jones and a lot of these other guys, they love to, you know, yeah, put us in there. Show us drinking our, our expensive scotch and, and hugging our trophy wives and looking all, you know, rich and happy because our team is doing well. Uh, I don't see that often with the Wills, so I don't know if that's on purpose or if they avoid the cameras strategically. Um, they used to, yeah, as you said, they used to come out of the locker room usually after the post-game talks, and, you know, you might try to bark a question at them or, you know, just shake hands and whatnot, but it does sound like maybe they are retrenching a bit, and uh, I would, you know, look, they, they're if they're not paying attention to what's being said post-game, or through through the week, or or reading the headlines, or at least being attuned to that, uh, then they're not being um, progressive owners. Uh, I don't expect that to be the case. If at the very least they may not be reading everything and and seeing everything, but they're probably being told in summary uh, what's being. They know exactly what Justin Jefferson said yesterday, and look, we you know the media, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm a part-timer in this too. I mean, we're kind of like pigs and slop a little bit. Like I said before, it's like, wow, this is great. Like, ah, this is something new. Let's stir it up a little bit. I mean, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's, it's a kernel of truth in 15 weeks of BS. So you're, you're going to focus in on that a little bit hyper, uh, a bit. So the, it, it would be easy for, I hope he doesn't do this, but it would be easy for Justin Jefferson this week to say, Hey man, y'all making a big deal about this. I was just, you know, saying a few things, but I, you know, I love my team. We're still doing, somebody's going to talk to him and say, Hey, you might want to sand this down on Wednesday when you talk again, let's hope he doesn't. Um, but you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure the Wills have at least, if not their finger on the pulse, somebody in their orbit has it on it for them and they're taking all of this in. And I, I, again, I give them credit. They, they haven't been knee jerk. It would have been easy to maybe, listen to the, the, you know, the pitchfork bears and, and, and say, let's fire Zimmer after this Detroit loss. It's very possible if he'd have blown that game against Pittsburgh, it might've happened that Friday as well. 
but they have let this process play out. And I think that's probably the way it should have been. And they're going to have, I mean, they're taking all this in. They're going to be able to make a a very, hopefully deliberate decision on January 10th. And um, I don't, I don't know if they're still looking to see, learn more. I mean, you know, yesterday's performance informed them. Uh, If they get smoked in the, in the, on the frozen tundra on Sunday night on, on national TV, that, that could inform them some more, but I think overall the body of work of Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, and and, and Kirk Cousins is is pretty complete. Uh, I think you could make that decision in your mind today, and uh, maybe you've got a few things that happen over the next couple of weeks that uh, fortify your position and your opinion and your assessment. But I think that assessment has probably been made. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think so too, especially since uh, you and I were playing with the 538 playoff prediction machine thing before we recorded to kind of see like what happens if this, this, and this, and even winning the next two games still only gives them about a 60% chance, uh, which, you know, I mean, that means a lot of things have to fall into place for them to make it, even if they win both games. And that's the point where you're saying, uh, you know, this is, this is probably over. And uh, if they go to green Bay and they don't win, it's 2%. So that means it's a, essentially you're going into the final week and it's just the, the season is over. And at that point uh, they, I think would have to start interviewing other people because after this week is finished, uh, NFL teams can start interviewing other coaching candidates right. if they that's want That's the new wrinkle. Yeah, which is uh, quite a little twist. Now, I, I got a few questions of like, would they fire him now? Uh, no, because you can win both and still have a 60% chance to get in and you can't fire your coach when you're still in the playoff race. Like, what difference does it make? Uh, but I do think that if there's, uh, you know, maybe some secret Zoom calls with Byron Leftwich or other candidates, Kellen Moore after last night with uh, the Dallas Cowboys completely blowing out Washington, then you've got to do those things. You have to put in those requests. And they will inevitably leak because that that happens. And I guess I would say, who cares? Like, right? I mean, they might they might not want it to leak that they're interviewing other candidates, but why should they care uh, at this point? Hey, if you didn't want other candidates to be interviewed, then you right. should have won a bunch of the games. You that should you be took. seven and eight going into week sixteen. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, I think that the way you laid it out is the way that they are, which is 
We are going to be patient. We're going to let this play out all the way to the end. And then we're going to look at the totality of the thing. And then we're going to decide that there have been a bunch of different places along the way this season where you could have seen, okay, if they lose one more, if they lose the game to Detroit at home, if they lose the game where they blow a 29 point lead, if they, and and they always seem to find a way to kind of keep this thing going and so it would be classic Vikings fashion to beat the Packers and then lose to Chicago and then that's the way that you you know whimper out of this season that's just been so frustrating for fans uh I I think that they, that that is their approach in general is to be very patient to not be knee-jerk but if there was any any game where you could say all right we've been patient enough I don't even care what happens after this it would be yesterday's game because of Justin Jefferson's comments and also Anthony Barr's too, which I didn't really mention post game, like any snarky comment about the fans is a bad idea. And Anthony Barr, I don't know if he was trying to joke with us about fans having a Christmas holiday hangover or something. Um, sometimes when you're in those rooms for those press conferences, you forget that like the whole world is watching these and, yeah. and they're recorded. And then you walk out and see it on sports center. And you're like, Oh yeah, they knew about that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think he was just trying to make a joke to us, but it didn't come across well to a lot of fans who were yeah. like, dude, the reason why we weren't loud is because this team is a disappointment, man. Come on. And yeah, so it, don't blame but, the paying customers for your lack of energy. That's right. not a good look. Right, right. If you, yeah, if you go to a, a restaurant and the food isn't good, you uh, can't, you know, you can't blame the people who ate it. So anyway, uh, I, I, but I think that when those things are combined with what we saw yesterday, a meek performance, kind of a no show for the most part. And then the linebacker is saying there was no energy in the building. The receiver is saying our quarterback didn't bring any energy, which look, I, he said our offense, but where does that all start? And then I mean, he wasn't talking about Ole Udo. That's for sure. And uh, you know, then our play calling isn't good enough. It's like, there, there are so many things now that feel like they have to be fixed or changed after watching that game uh, that I don't know how the Wilfs could sit back and say like, okay, uh, let's run this back again, give the keys to the same people at quarterback, general manager, head coach, and this will be fine. I don't know how you could watch those post game. You didn't even have to see the game. I don't even know how you could watch the post game and think that. Well, I also think now the burden of proof you know, for law and order fans out there like us, uh, has shifted now from Jack McCoy to the defense. Uh, it's almost like the case has been made for a house cleaning, you know, from top, you know, Spielman, Zimmer, and even Cousins. The case has been made um, that they're they're guilty of uh, underachievement. So now the burden shifts to maybe over the last two weeks, somehow, and I don't see this, but somehow a surprise piece of evidence, a surprise witness comes out of nowhere and they can uh, they can shift the jury's mind at this point. The jury being Ziggy and Mark Wolf at all. Um, I, maybe they're waiting for that. Maybe they're hoping for that because these are loyal guys. I mean, let's be honest. They are they are not meddling. They don't like to talk publicly. They've been very supportive of, of Rick Spielman and, and Mike Zimmer for the last eight years and Spielman even longer. Um, they're, they don't want there to be a bloodletting here. I know that I I'm pretty having talked to them in the past and what I know about them as, you know, reading up on them is this is not a, this, you know, Jerry Jones, I think revels in these kinds of moments. I don't think the Wilfs do. So they may be looking for 
or it, you know, it may be, you know, cousin Zimmer Spielman, you know, show us something here that you didn't quit. You know, you've been saying that and it has mostly been true, but yesterday felt like, uh, you know, the team was collectively laying down. So what are you going to do at Lambeau field when it's five degrees and you're on national television and, and Rogers is slinging the ball all over the place? You know, are you going to show up? Uh, because it would be very convenient to not show up. I don't think anybody would be shocked if Green Bay won 38 to 10 on, on Sunday night. Uh, what kind of fight do you have? And if you somehow rally and do win, which would be very Vikings-esque, and then you have another week of, see, nobody believed in us, and we have our fate somewhat in our hands again, what are you going to do at home against, you know, a lame duck coach and Matt Nagy and, and the Chicago Bears? And even then, you're still going to need help. And where was that urgency five weeks ago? Where was that urgency in October? But I just feel like, you know, they're, they're, they're going to gather as much as they can. And, and, you know, public opinion does matter. But I think optics, as I've been saying for a long time, certainly matter. The Jefferson optics are not good. And there may be more of that in the next couple of weeks if more players feel a little bit empowered to speak out and they everybody kind of reads, okay, I see where this is headed. And what's my status and what's my standing and what do I want to do with the rest of my finite career? Um, I think they're going to take all of that into account. So, uh, you know, if anything, you know, it may not even be what uh, the playoff, the, the stakes right now for the next two weeks are certainly in Green Bay may not be how this affects the Vikings playoff fate, but how their performance, their reaction to the performance they're dealing with adversity against an elite opponent who happens to be your arch border rival in, you know, Lambeau field. How are you going to perform overall in that is going to dictate, you know, beyond just the big three we've been talking about, but like, are we going to really tear this thing down? And, and I guess what I would say is, uh, and they don't ask me and I don't think they listen to the show, uh, but what I would say is if you are getting to the point where a number of different times you're asking yourself, should we fire him if this happens or should we let him go if that happens, then I think that that really tells you all that you need to know is if you're having that discussion all the time or having that thought all the time, then you just have to do that. Um, it's kind of like it, with uh, you know somebody that you're dating if you're constantly thinking, should I break up with them? If you're watching other people at the mall and saying, oh, you know, I'd like to ask him or her out instead. Like that's them watching football each week, right? Like I'd like to ask out Kellen Moore. Or I'd like to ask out Byron Leftwich or whatever other coaching candidate. I mean, that probably tells you everything that you need to know. And I mean, I, I don't think that at this point, you even really need to know how it goes for the next couple of weeks. I, we've kind of gone past go in my mind of if you're still trying to ride that train of, well, if we win in green Bay, then we won't make big changes. Or if they get to the playoffs and face whoever, then we won't make this like being the six seed in 2019 being the seven seed. Like the, the, these things aren't that good. Like look at the other teams who are fighting for this a San Francisco team that's been a reflection of the Vikings, just sort of up and down, disappointing losses, quarterback who lets them down a lot of times. Um, it, you you know, you have uh, Philadelphia that's playing a young quarterback 
and was supposed to be a bad team and honestly doesn't have a great roster that's fighting for that playoff spot. Uh, and then you have New Orleans, who's on their fourth quarterback, and they were rolling but then lost five in a row after Jameis Winston went down. And these are the teams that you're fighting with. Atlanta, uh, not a good Atlanta team at all. I mean, if those, if that's the company you're in, at this point in the game, after this long, then I don't think that you should ride whatever wave happens over the last few games. Not that I think that they're going to beat Green Bay. I think this decision will be made for them. It's just that if that's to the point that they've gotten to where they're resting it on one or two games, uh, I guess I could understand why they did that in 2019. I could not understand if they did that again. If the Vikings found a way to somehow everything parted, the, the seas parted, and they walked into the playoffs at nine and eight, I, it, it's just really hard for me to say, oh, this is this is much different. Like, oh, look at them. Look at how much they fought. Look how they came together. Like, we wrote the narrative after uh, Cousins led the game-winning drive in new Orleans that see he can win in the playoffs. Like, well, well, I don't know, man, TJ Yates won one playoff game. Uh, you know, there we've seen all sorts of quarterbacks win on wildcard weekend. Marcus Mariota won a playoff game. Uh, but going any farther than that, like it, it, he wasn't going to be different and he hasn't been different. And so I guess I look at it as don't let anything that happens. These last couple of games change you from what the overall results are for four years. I don't think they will. I think they just may, uh, you know, add some things on the scale, you know, like this, this will be this, 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 this will, um, you know, fortify our decision in a lot of ways. I, I, I don't, you're right. I don't believe a nine and eight finish limping into the playoffs uh, should earn anybody a, a, a new contract or at least more faith. Um, Cause we were talking in July and August about, well, what does that look like? You know, a first round playoff berth, a nine, you know, we, we kept, you kept throwing out the numbers, you know, well, what is, what does 10 and seven mean? What does nine and eight mean? You know, what does eight and nine mean? You know, what do, what do those numbers mean? They don't mean much in terms of progress. And the best they're going to do is nine and eight. And the best they're going to do is a, is, is a road trip somewhere brutal, likely back to green Bay, down to Tampa, out to LA down to Dallas, do you see any success at all there? No. So again, you're de- you're delaying the inevitable. So no, I I I don't believe that you know you're not making progress. You know you're regressing. You go from a six seed and a playoff victory in 2019 to getting smoked in the divisional round, missing the playoffs entirely, maybe limping at the expansion seventh seed, and then what? You know, it, it, there's there's no um, there's no case to be made. Um, and I think everybody knows that. And that's, I think, what I think has has prompted Justin Jefferson to speak out. And and you may feel a little bit more of that in the next week to 10 days. Well, let me ask you another question, Murph, because I was thinking about this yesterday as I was watching the end of the game and they're just sort of struggling to kick a field goal and they make I mean, they make a kind of a cockamamie decision to pull up and kick the field goal to make it seven so they could do the onside kick. And you see teams do that on a weekly basis. I don't think it makes any difference in terms of your win percentage, whether you kick the field goal there or throw to the end zone. It doesn't matter. Um, And from a game management standpoint, once again, it wasn't very good. There were opportunities to go for it uh, rather than kicking field goals. They didn't do that. Um, But we kind of go over that over and over and over again with this uh, coach. But 
you know what I was thinking about the most is when you're looking at a team from the outside and you're saying, hey, that team might be something next year. That team might be something in a couple of years. Uh, one of the things you're usually looking for is kind of up and coming players. And you say, oh, look at this guy. You know, he's kind of on his way to becoming a very solid starter or he could be a good player. And when you look at this roster, I think that one of the toughest things for fans when they're looking at this team and if if you're analyzing it as from the, the ownership perspective and you're saying, what do we have here? What we have here is some good players who are very expensive. And then whatever's left, I don't know. Uh, because there, there's just not a whole lot to write home about when it comes to anybody else that isn't named Justin Jefferson. I think that was is part of why his comments are important is because he's saying like, come on guys, we, we've got to be able to, to figure this out and we've got to have the energy. We've got to get going. Uh, so this guy wants to win and he wants to win right away. But when you look at the defense and how it has to be sort of torn down and built back up again, and when you look at the offensive line, and if you were wondering, yes, the PFF grades were in the 30s yesterday for all three interior offensive linemen. Not anyone could even remotely slow down uh, Aaron Donald and the rest of the defensive line. Once again, like for a year, a million in a row, um, they are not able to um, slow down a good defensive lineman. Uh, so there's a lot still, there's a lot to be done here in order for you to talk about this team as a legitimate contender. And yet there aren't young players that you're looking at and going, Hey, this Wyatt Davis has had a great year. No, the guy can't even get on the field when people are injured uh, or look at this young defensive end that they put out there. No, Patrick Jones was out on the field yesterday and, and made zero impact. I think that that has to be a part of the formula is that the players who have failed them have been veteran players that they tried to patchwork this thing together with. And there isn't even a lot of young talent for people to grip onto and say, Hey, at least we got this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy going forward. We've really got something here. Well, you know, I'll, I'll throw out some optimism um, just a small bit. I mean, I think KG Osborne has been a, a find. W would you agree with that? I mean, at least emerging as a, reliable third option behind Adam Thielen? I mean, did you think that they would have a reliable third option behind Jefferson and Thielen? Okay, that's not a lot. I agree. Um, I think the biggest indictment for me is the secondary. And this has got Rick Spielman's fingerprints all over it. I mean, you draft Jeff Gladney, who turns out to be pretty much a miscreant, and he's gone. Uh, you bring in Brashad Breeland, turns out to be a cancer and literally gets into a fight that you have to break up on the sideline, Mr. GM, and shove him out of town. Cameron Dantzler, I, I don't know if he's allergic to the football. I don't understand why you can't, you know, I don't understand the Vikings defensive backs inability to catch the football. Uh, there was a moment early in that game that uh, what would have been probably a fourth Stafford interception would have prevented their first touchdown drive. Um, I, you know, optimism. I mean, if you're looking for players to build around, I mean, I don't know, does Ty Conklin count as some what of it? No, because he's a plotting tight end. I, I'm glad you're shaking your head because I wasn't sure where I was going to go with that point. <laughs> uh, free agent. And he, you know, Irv Smith is going to get healthy at some point too. So, you know, maybe he can push Irv a little bit, but um, 
you know, top down, it's, as you mentioned, it's very top heavy with a few good players that are being paid a ton of money and um, nobody's emerged, you know, nobody's stepped up and really like, okay, Daniil Hunter's out, as you said, can we get somebody to become a playmaker and maybe we've got something there because that whole next man up argument really means not just plugging a, a hole, but taking advantage of your opportunities and emerging and separating yourself from the hundreds of other guys that are going to be lining up to take these jobs next off season. So, and coming out in the draft, I don't know. I don't feel, I don't feel like you can attach any really optimism until you know what the top is going to be, which is who's going to be controlling the roster, who's going to be coaching it and who's going to be under center next year. Um, I don't even know if, you know, obviously you can, you can spitball free agents all you want. You know, if I'm a pending free agent, I'm not looking at Minnesota necessarily as a destination until I know what the regime is and who's at quarterback. Uh, At this point, um, I, you know, if I'm Justin Jefferson or I'm looking at Justin Jefferson, yes, he's a, he's a great receiver and a great talent. Uh, But if I'm a, if I'm a cornerback or if I'm a defensive lineman, am I going to be like, well, I'm going to Minnesota because of Justin Jefferson? Not yet. (laughs) I want to see who's uh, controlling the purse strings. I want to see who's controlling the play calls and I want to see who's uh, leading the locker room. And right now I don't, I don't know who that's going to be. I, if it's status quo, I'm definitely not coming. If it's something new and exciting, I might put him in the mix. Yeah, and something that I've been trying to do here is just scroll through and look at a bunch of different teams and see if there's sort of an example for this of a team that had a quarterback who could only get you so far and a coach that could only get you so far and then moved on, drafted, rebuilt the thing. And I keep coming back to Buffalo. I used this example maybe like a few months ago. Cincinnati. When they they had – well, Cincinnati kind of had to go full tank. And I don't think the Vikings can go full tank because of the amount of talent they have. Like when you have Justin Jefferson, you can't say let's have a three-year plan. You just just can't. You can say you have a two-year plan, though, with Justin Jefferson because he's on his rookie deal – And what Buffalo did was they gave their fans an exciting young quarterback that even when he was struggling, he still showed all the signs of somebody who could be a a, a quarterback that takes you deep into the playoffs. We even saw that when the Bills played the Vikings at the beginning of that 2018 season where the athleticism, the arm strength, like you saw it. And then eventually it came to fruition. It was surprising that it did uh, considering Allen's inaccuracy, but they got a new coach. They got a new quarterback and they were a competitive team before that and moved on and turned out to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender here for a couple of years. Tennessee is another one when they got Ryan Tannehill and uh, Mark Vrabel, uh, Mike Vrabel, and they moved away from, uh, you know, Malarkey and they moved away from uh, Marcus Mariota. So it can happen that you are a team and stuck in the middle and you decide, hey, this isn't good enough. And then, you know, by another year or two, you're back like looking like a team on the rise or a legitimate competitive team. It's just that when the bones of it are so brittle and when, like you said, you're no longer a place that people want to come, your cap situation is very bad at the moment. They are $10 million over the cap to start. If, if cousins makes 45 million, if you open that up, it's still not a lot of cash that you have to work with. And it just feels like it's going to be a very difficult situation to turn around in a snap. And 
I mean, I'd love to know what their plan is because I don't see any other plan than what Buffalo did when they blew out Rex Ryan. And they said, you know, for a year, we've got to take a step back. And then they were in the playoffs two years later. It might be. And here's the other thing about that is that I know when you say take a step back, people get like, oh, no, like we're not, you know, what if, what if we're not, we're not that good and it's a really tough year. Uh, but I think these years have been tougher than those are. Like if those years you are finding out who's who and how this thing is going to work, uh, that's more exciting than just dragging your butt to nine and eight or eight and nine. I mean, that that to me is is the worst kind of slog for everybody rather than, hey, we're up and coming and in a year we're going to be really exciting to watch. I think it's way better to be in that situation and lose two more games in a year than it is to be in this situation and say, well, if they lose the next game, they have a 2% chance to make the playoffs. I mean, that is, that is just been dreadful for these fans. I don't think that the last four years have been fun. I think it's, it would be much more fun to have Kenny Pickett or Sam Howell and Byron Leftwich as your coach. And maybe you, if you have the 10th best offense in the league, it's exciting. Even if your defense filled with young players, isn't quite good enough. I think that's a better position to be in. Well, I think it's because the, the the fan base has been sold a false bill of goods the last three years, you know, and and when you look at, you know, it, the Zimmer regime, of course, peaked with the Minneapolis miracle and went out to Philadelphia and face planted with Case Keenum. And the decision was made, we need a franchise quarterback. And you brought in a franchise quarterback, paid him like a franchise quarterback, empowered him like a franchise quarterback. And you've got one playoff win. And it looks like that's going to be the only one for Kirk Cousins in purple. Uh, and it's been a slow, steady, down slope since then. But everybody keeps saying it's not that bad. We're a lot better than we look. Uh, but for this, but for that, here's a here's a piece. This should get us over the top. This keeps us elite. It, it hasn't been that. And I think you're right. That's what's been frustrating. I mean, this season in particular, and, and I wasn't as engaged last year or 2019 because I wasn't covering the team anymore. And even now I you know, had watched every minute of every game and read all the coverage throughout the season. I'm exhausted and I don't have a, an emotional or personal stake in this. And I can't imagine a lifelong or season ticket holder who is really trying to, 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 to buy into the messaging and, and stay strong and stay loyal, you know, they, they've been treated pretty poorly um, just because of the expectations and because of the, the denial, the deep denial, I think that's there. And, it, you know, the, every game has been an emotionally wrought experience and from an entertainment value. Yeah. It's been pretty, pretty fun to watch, but if you're, if you're, if you're a true diehard fan, it's it's disappointing because it's sh- in so many ways it shouldn't have to be that hard, but at the end of the day, when you're mediocre, it is that hard. And here well, we are, uh, in yeah. December twenty seventh, still trying to psychoanalyze a team that was probably obvious uh, on uh, August first. I, I mean, other than that, though, Merry Christmas to everybody. Yeah. I mean, just Happy New Year. Glorious New Year. It's been fine. Well, Murph, uh, it has been really fun throughout this year to ride the wave with you because I feel like yeah, it is one of your great strengths to psychoanalyze a team and contextualize everything that's happening. Uh, it just felt like in a lot of ways that road came to its end yesterday 
of, oh, maybe they'll do it and maybe things will be different and maybe everything else leaving that door open. But, you know, I guess there's always Green Bay. So, well, if it, you're going to have an Irish wake, you might as well do it in Green Bay because where else would you rather be when it's four below? I mean, you're going, right? So, yep. it should be uh, quite the scene there of, of, uh, the, the, the cheese heads uh, stomping on the Vikings grave next week. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, that's what should happen, but also Baker Mayfield threw three picks throughout their game and uh, the Packers couldn't put them away until the very fourth interception on the final drive. So the Packers do have some weaknesses and I guess uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, uh, it's always, it's been fun. And the next time we talk, it'll be in the new year. So I, I'm very thankful for all of our time together doing this, Murph. And uh, we'll see if we only have two weeks left or uh, or one week after next week or uh, if we have more to talk about with, with a playoff race. But it's feeling less and less like that's the case. So thank you for your time, uh, as always, Murph. All right. Happy New Year, everyone.